For Your Reconsideration is proudly part of the Flickering Myth Podcast Network. Hi all you cool cats and kittens, welcome to the FYR Podcast where we look at a film to see if it needs a bit of love or if it really needs to be covered in sardine oil and thrown in a tiger cage. I'm Rob and this is Simon and James! (laughs) 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 The true saviour of the coronavirus, right? (laughs) Hi Carol, how are you? (laughs) How are you boys, are you okay? We're good, we're good. Yeah, just about, just about, not not too bad. <laughs> We've not been together for some time. It is lovely to see your little faces. When we last recorded, I think we were, you know, sort of talking about how we'd already started washing our hands quite vigorously, and since then the world has ended in a really <laughs> middle-class kind of way, you know, like, <laughs> like cash is no good, everything has to be done electronically now, like... There was no water shortages, but there was massive bog roll shortages. It's... <laughs> Still can't get pasta full of no money. Yeah, I think the value of pasta has gone above the pound at the minute. Yes, <laughs> I think I genuinely think it has. You know, um, yeah, I love seeing these um, these pictures of people, you know, trying to return their cachet of poo paper. I love seeing that. You know, like, please, I made a mistake. Take it back, Costco. Take back my 400 rolls of... Oh, I know. <laughs> Cushel, or eat it, called. eat it. We're not going to sell you any groceries now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what you wanted. You asked for this. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy your poo paper sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, how have you... Well, what? I've got two questions. Like, How have you been spending lockdown? Um, and what have you been watching in lockdown? So let's go with the first one, because this is a weird time we're living in. Yeah, so, yeah. How's lockdown treating you both? Uh, not so bad. Before I, before I sort of talk about my last few weeks, just you know, shout out to the listeners. Hope everybody is doing well and keeping yeah. well and keeping safe and staying away from everybody <laughs> <laughs> and staying inside and listening to podcasts. Well, hopefully <laughs> that's this a good it. way to spend this your lockdown. It. So that's what you should yeah. be doing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not been too bad to be honest. I've been in. Uh, I'm on like my fifth week now of working from home. Wow. My day job, I tend to work by myself anyway, uh, but in a, just in a massive office in, in Manchester. So it's not massively different. It's just that now my wife and son are here all the time, <laughs> which is absolutely fine. In fact, it's wonderful. <laughs> but no, no, we're, we're all right. We're all keeping safe and uh, juggling Good. our day-to-day and spending a lot of time with a little fella so it's it's all good yeah good stuff good. Man. Good we're, stuff. we're making the best of it good good Sai, how about you man uh yeah all right. I, I mean we me and my other half are both still working from home and we're both quite busy luckily we have different rooms to work from so we just make each other cups of teas quite regularly and um, I get brought my lunch and stuff, and I bring her her lunch and stuff. So yeah, it's, it's been quite nice. Mate, it sounds so civilized. <laughs> but yes, outside of work, I've been working quite a lot. But outside of that, yeah, just watching TV and film <laughs> mainly. <laughs> I bought a few board games to play, but I haven't cracked the cellophane off those yet. So I can't wait to get on those this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Do something different. Lovely. Uh, it's. Um, I'm going to be honest with. Um, um, in the marital home with three children my wife and a puppy that now has a penchant for devouring nappies uh used <laughs> nappies that is like only wants the good stuff that's within the you know <laughs> um 
Yeah, it, it's uh, it's chaos. It's absolute chaos. And we're potty training the young fella at the minute. Yeah, so, same. You know, I'll same. Be... I thought we'd take the. We, I thought we'd yeah. take the difficulty up. Well, just a add a bit more time, stress to being confined. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but no, we're okay. I mean, again, safe and well is the main thing. Safe and well is the main yes, thing. Yes, of course. And you know, um, yeah, lucky people. So yeah. Happy days. But yeah, as you say, Sai, managed to watch some... I, even I've managed to watch some bits and bobs. Incredible. <laughs> uh, James, though, what have you been watching? Oh, I've, I've watched so much. Like, loads of stuff that I just love anyway. So, like, you know, old classics, Shawshank Redemption, Chinatown, things like this. You know, just... Not not Vertigo. I, I've not got some Vertigo yet. <laughs> <laughs> we have no excuse now, lads. We need to... No, no excuse. <laughs> I am go- I'm going to do it by the time... Right, so next episode is going to be our Die Hard with a Vengeance Ooh! episode. I am going to watch Vertigo in the interim and I'll give <laughs> a cheeky review. How's that? Yeah. That's me nailing my colours to the mat. Awesome, there, so. awesome. But um, what have I been watching? A, a couple of shout-outs that I did want to give. So we've mainlined Ozark Season 3, which is absolutely fantastic. I think a lot of people thought that was kind of a Breaking Bad light when it first dropped on Netflix a couple of years ago. But it's really, really good. It's one of the best shows out there at the moment. and Everyone should be watching it. Awesome. And um, I'd like to do, uh, you know, we've, we all like our sport as well on the FYR uh, podcast. Mm. There's none of that happening at the moment. But no. something that helped scratch that itch for me was... Uh, the documentary Diego Maradona. So it's another tour de force from the director Asif Kapadia, who specialises in maverick personalities and putting their lives on screen. He'd previously done Amy and Senna, and I just thought this was absolutely superb and probably my favourite film of last year. So uh, that's a good one. Yeah, it's superb. Is it like Senna and Amy and that is only made out of archive footage? Yeah, and with uh, Diego's uh, voiceover, We're like so from well interviews that he's had with him. Yeah, it's incredibly well done. And because it's just the Naples years, pretty much, it's just so, it's just that six year period when he was playing for Napoli. It's just, it's just incredible. The stuff that goes on there, there's organized crime, there's, well, <laughs> there's all to, sorts. Really just, need to check this yeah, out. yeah. That's where the mafia are, aren't they? When me and my ex girlfriend went to. Uh... Napoli. Yeah. We we went to find lunch and we stumbled upon we were in the area where the, the it was rumored that the mafia were operating. <laughs> and we saw a restaurant and went in. I was like, oh we'll go in here. And then we just walked in and there was a big round table in the middle filled with surrounded by all these like middle aged to like elderly blokes in really crisp suits and six yeah, yeah, cigars. Yeah. Yeah, in a really sinister, dimly lit restaurant, and they were like, "The old <laughs> men were closed. They were closed." And then I was like, "Oh, okay, sorry, sorry, sorry." <laughs> so, like, pack men all out. It's like, did we just stumble on some kind of mafia meeting? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's a uh, it's a fantastic documentary and brilliant. Even if you're not a football fan, but as a football fan with no football to watch at the moment, it were really, really did uh, scratch that itch to a certain degree. So nice. it's fantastic. Yeah, nice. somebody called nice. it. I can't remember whose review I read of this, but someone called it Scarface with Screamers. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> that's very good. Yeah, very good. Yeah, what's so the poster? <laughs> absolutely, he was definitely going for the DVD cover with that one. He definitely was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, just one other one I want to shout out, which was a little scene film from last year. Uh, it's called The Art of Self Defense, uh, and that's a jet black comedy starring Jesse Eisenberg and Alessandro Nivolo, also known as. Pollock's Troy from Face Off. Oh, and yeah. It's, it's honestly, I never knew that he was so good. He is so good in this movie. It's oh, incredible. What's it goes it a bit again, fight, sorry, uh, The Art of Self Defense. Nice. 
Uh, and it's uh, it goes a bit Fight Club towards the end, but even so, it's still it's just so black in its view of the world. I cool. I really enjoyed it. Cool. <laughs> in a nihilistic kind of way. Nice. So, what about you, man? What have you been watching? Yeah, I mean, you know, like you guys, I've been sort of clocking up the hours and filling in my letterboxed. My letterboxed <laughs> activity has been great recently. The big one we watched on a weekend, a couple of weekends ago, was the extended versions of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Oh, Christ. So we sat, sat through those. <laughs> I hadn't seen them since the cinema, and I'd never seen the extended ones. So it was like, spread it out over two, two days to watch the three of the films. Yeah, you only need to see those movies once. <laughs> <laughs> Were the theatrical cuts sufficient in the end? <laughs> the first, I'll do quickly my sort of feelings on this trilogy. Yeah, first, go for it. Yeah, first one is absolutely brilliant. I think it's an absolute masterclass in filmmaking on such a massive scale. And considering Peter Jackson's film career before that was like proper low-key independent movies and then he yeah, yeah. this massive massive impossible to adapt trilogy of books like the first one is amazing yeah shout out sean bean yeah shout out sean bean who <laughs> he'll be it, we'll be talking about him later second one i remember watching the second one <laughs> in the cinema and being me and my brother being bored to tears and that kind of apart from the big battle of helms deep at the end uh, I still felt the same on that second one. It's just basically walking through New Zealand part two. <laughs> yeah. Um, lots of like uh, helicopter shots of actors walking through the hills of New Zealand, which is beautiful, don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. And then the third one is, in terms of pacing, is amazing. I think it, considering how long it is, it's it's never boring and it's it zips along and it's really, really good and constantly like um, at attention to it. But it's so cheap compared to the other two. Oh, really? I don't know. I can't put my finger on why. Maybe it was rushed. There was a lot of things rushed and sort of half-assed because of time constraints. Because obviously they were, they'd committed to being released every Christmas, weren't they, these movies? Mm-hmm. Was it three consecutive Christmases? or was I it... think so, yeah. Was, I reckon, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I think it is? I reckon they probably just put more CG in that third one. And you don't notice it as much in the first and the second one because it's yeah. more practical. And they thought they could get away with it. Like, they thought the technology was up to the snuff for the third one. Yeah. And they've tried to push it more and it probably just aged really badly. So now it looks super cheap. Yeah, because the first one is so like clever, how, how the craft of it all. We yeah, yeah. All the like, forced perspective shots and yeah. um, all that sort of stuff. And the sets are amazing and the costumes are amazing and all that. But when you get to the third one, even like just chroma key and like green screen and stuff it just looks so ropey yeah um in so many parts and i was just like this just it's, it's it really takes you out of it seriously yeah like, it's pacing like wise say, it's, it's really so, good it's really good right i haven't watched it since the cinema so find it fascinating actually yeah that that's the something like a present day take on it because as you say like once you've watched it once like the next time i watch it i know it's going to be with my kids it's not going to be, you know, for me, with me saying, right, we're going to watch yeah. the, the three. Yeah, don't watch it for movies. shits and giggles. Like, I'd. I'd... <laughs> <laughs> well, no, like, um, yeah, I, but it's funny that actually, because I, my favorite one of the three is um, the middle one. Interesting, interesting, yeah. Oh, uh, so just to add in as well, like, I, I've proper racked up my um, post apocalyptic movies as well. Watch loads of them. <laughs> During the lockdown to make me feel better. Uh, but, um, there was a uh, one I'd want to shout out is a, a French Canadian film, Buried, 
really deep in Netflix um, called Ravenous on Netflix. In French, it's called uh, Les oh, Femme in French. If you're French, I'm not French, so it's probably not that. I say it in the <laughs> northern way. It's called Les Femmes. Les Femmes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really, really good. It's, it's a uh, yeah, very, very good, low-budget um, independent zombie movie. Um, so, yeah. Oh, cool! Check that like out if, if you if you fancy being a bit like, oh, heck, this could happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not a million miles away from it at the moment. Um, for half these people have decided that they they're now obsessed with walks, having never been obsessed with walks. No, life, they do have a little bit of walk of the dead about <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> shambling about the countryside. Did, you, did you see when jo- Josh? I think Josh Josh or Benny Safty um, put a post on Twitter. And it was a video footage of um, a, a crate of toilet roll being unravelled at Costco, and then all people just going on, and they put the sound of Dawn of the Dead underneath. So like, oh, grabbing all the toilet roll from this, from this pallet in Costco. It's so good. That's very good. Very good. Uh, I know. Um... Yeah, so you said that you got, you know we've all been filling up on our you know our stock of stuff we've been watching. Yeah, I've only managed to watch two things, so let's you know I can't get carried away. <laughs> um, one is I watched um, the Girl on the Third Floor with um, this is the Netflix. Well, no, it came out on Netflix, but it's the CM Punk movie. Uh, you know, the, have you not seen it? of of all the movies in? <laughs> <Yeah. early laughs> You choose the one with CM Punk. <laughs> I didn't know it was CM Punk. Because um, he's in the credits, he's Phil Brooks. Yeah. I thought CM Punk was his real name, like he was like Chad Michael Punk. But no, he's not. He's, he's <laughs> His real name's Phil Brooks, and he's in oh. this horror movie. Um, and yeah, it was really good. Really enjoyed oh, you it. You know yeah. what? You're not the first person who... Uh, I listened to the Evolution of Horror podcast. Nice! And... Uh, he was shouting out the host of that whose name escapes me. I, I should really know it because I listened to all the episodes. He was shouting out like sort of movies to stream uh, on different services while you're in lockdown, and he actually recommended the CM Punk movie. Well, I'm going to have seriously. to watch it. Uh, no, it's good. It. He, he I can't sit here and mock you, Rob, and then it turns out no, to be a good no. movie. <laughs> Listen, when we get to award season next year, I'm sure Chad Michael Punk will be getting mm. a little bit of a bit of a He might be because nothing is coming out again this year. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true. Can you imagine the the meeting of the academy? Like, so are we really going to do the CM Punk movie? Or is that what? <laughs> so we're like, just going to yeah, give yeah. the Invisible Man everything then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just Scorsese in the back going, I liked it. I, I don't know about I, I like, it. I, I liked, liked it. it. I liked it. That guy CM Punk. I liked it. I liked it. <laughs> um, and and I, the other thing I have actually, this is the first time I've binged something in a very very long time. Yeah. Um, and the rest, I think the rest of the world has probably binged it. But um, Tiger King, talk to me. Oh, yeah. That's why I didn't mention it because obviously I we mainlined it as well, like everybody else in the world. Yeah. Uh, it's just one of the most ridiculously incredible things I've ever seen. Like, it's got yeah. so many twists and turns in it. Like, you you can never. You can never lay a glove on it. It's just so elusive as to where it's going from one yes. episode to the next. A world of horrible people, isn't it? The, yes. the nicest people inside. The only people who come out nice of Tiger King are the ones who have no limbs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Saf. Yeah, she's mega. Or no tears. Yeah, Shaf and Rinky. They're amazing. Yeah. Lose a limb, gain a soul. <laughs> 
How's it got to the point that we know these people by name? I just oh, don't I know. understand it. Um, my question to you guys would be, because there's so many strands to that show. I mean, like there's so, so many threads. One question is, who did you root for and did Carol Baskin do it? <laughs> and by do it, you know I'm talking about, like, did she, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we I'm not for libel if we said yes. Yeah, Lyle. Um, yeah, I think we, one thing we learned from that show is Carol Baskin is very litigious, so I'm not going to be putting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So can you imagine, like, she moved on from Joe Exotic to the FYR podcast guys. <laughs> yeah, she closed his zoo. She did. Yeah. We have nothing to offer in in that sense. So you know, I, I'm off, not putting anything forward. Uh, I but yeah, the, yeah. I asked the question, and we backed down so we wouldn't take on Carol Baskin. <laughs> so good. Um, yeah, like uh, like Simon said, I think the limbless guys and the people who worked at the zoo generally yeah. seemed like their hearts were in the right Sweet place, people, even if their yeah. Yeah, even yeah, if yeah. their meth-addled brains weren't. Apart from Joe <laughs> Exotic, obviously. That was really like understated, wasn't it? How it was just like yeah, a it meth was farm, like really. Yeah, yeah. Really bad. Yeah, like they couldn't the, the, fit it in. There was too much guy. other stuff going. Yeah, I mean, that was yeah. a jackpot for the for the documentary filmmaker. Yeah. Oh yeah, when you start filming something and then suddenly Well he was just making a film about these private zoos, wasn't he? And like and then just every time he went somewhere else a new story revealed itself. Yeah. It's incredible. One of the Safties did camera work on that yeah, back I in the day. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. 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 No way. Because it, it was like it's like ten. They're friends with the guy, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's an absurd amount of good footage as well. Yeah. yeah. I've I've I I read an interview today with um the his his first husband, the one who's most of his interviews, he's got no shirt on. <laughs> yeah, John Finley. John yeah. Finley. Um, I I felt a bit sorry for him as well. I thought he was actually mm. like he kind of got screwed a bit because they kind of made out like he was some like hick hillbilly. And yeah. then I read this interview of him today. He now has teeth, which look very nice. If you're interested. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's just he just was like, oh, they didn't show any of the nice stuff of like how we let people. Um, you know, their dying wish was to come to the zoo and pet a tiger cub and things yeah, like that. Yeah. And like yeah, yeah. And it was like, yeah, but people don't give a shit about nice things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I write crime books. Do you think I spend a lot of time talking about people's birthdays? Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, no, I, yeah, I think certainly from my point, I mean, it was like every time that you thought you'd got to the ceiling of what you could yeah. expect, it it went oh, through it and change, beyond. Yeah. And well, there's just... poly- polygamy, conspiracy theories, hitmen, meth farms. Like it's just it's got everything. Everything. Politics. And, think, like, <laughs> and it obviously dropped at the uh, you know the exact right time with the yeah, with yeah. everyone being on yeah. lockdown as well that everyone could binge it. And obviously, it's opened up this. I mean, please, if we all don't do you know, if there's only one thing we all take from tonight. Go on YouTube and watch Joe Exotic's music videos. Just, oh my god, they're so just good. Just ba- bathe in them. <laughs> Seriously, like they're I, so good. I've got to. Ask, do you think he sings them? I, no, I don't. I think don't. He does, I no, don't. Not. No way. <laughs> no way. So they're that's Carol like Baskin a... we've got coming after us, and Joe Exotic coming after yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the hat trick. Jeff Lowe is the most despicable person out of all of them. On <laughs> oh, that. he is, isn't he? Yeah, he a is bad lad. horrible because you know Joe Exotic got what was coming to him, but he got absolutely stitched up. He got totally he did, yeah. stitched he did. up. 
by Jack yeah. Lowe, the little shit. And he's stupid. <laughs> his outfit as well. And he's stupid. Oh, I know. Oh, oh, yeah, God, yeah. no. Yeah. He's I saw, um, you know, I think, um, I saw, uh, uh, yeah, on the internet today, like, you know, if, if anyone called Kyle asks you to introduce <laughs> them to his dad, that's what his dad will look like, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Very true, very true. Right, lovely, lovely. Um, so, we've all watched a movie this week. We and have. it was my pick. Oh, and yeah. I can't wait to talk about it. Um, so glad you, I'm so glad that you made me watch this film, Rob. Well, I'm just going to... I know, I'm so it. sorry. I think Speaking we, of we, no we, context quotes, <laughs> this, this film is filled with them. We we had um, a lovely chat last week and we decided what would be the first film we'd jump back in post-corona lockdown with, or mid-corona lockdown with, and we decided it had to be something from the FYR Favourites catalogue, as in an actor from the FYR Favourites catalogue. That was deemed immediately to be Mr. Nicholas Cage. And we decided that his muse would be the Declaration of Independence. Uh, so without further ado, the movie that we are going to discuss this week is National Treasure. Benjamin Franklin Gates, you are undertaking the duty of the family Gates to find the most spectacular treasure in history. It grew throughout the ages and moved across continents until it was hidden by America's founding fathers, who left clues to the treasure's location right before our eyes. The unfinished pyramid, the all-seeing eye, are telling us something. Keeping this treasure safe, Benjamin, is your destiny. You're treasure hunters, aren't you? We're more like treasure protectors. All his life, Benjamin Gates has searched for a treasure no one believed existed. Don't you get it, Ben? The treasure is a myth. Yeah, I refuse to believe that. But what he thought was the final clue... 108 years of searching and I'm three feet away. ...is only the beginning. The Declaration of Independence. You think there is a treasure map on the back of the Declaration of Independence? The map is invisible. Why would we make this up? Where's your proof? We don't have it. Riley, get down! Did Bigfoot take it? Word about the map is bound to get out. Ian's gonna try to steal it. 90 seconds. The only way to protect the Declaration is to steal it. What? I'm gonna steal the Declaration of Independence. Uh, Ben? From producer Jerry Bruckheimer and director John Turtletaub. It is surrounded by guards and video monitors and little kids on their eighth grade field trip. You will go to prison, you know that, right? Yeah, probably. Okay, go! Get out of there. Get out of there now. Got the bloody map. The clues of ten generations. There's more to the riddle. Will reveal a mystery twenty centuries in the making. Who wants to go down the creepy tunnel inside the tomb first? Ah! Tell me what the next clue is. What do you see? Nicholas Cage. National treasure. Uh, lads, does anyone in the history of cinema say the Declaration of Independence more <laughs> satisfying than Nicolas Cage? Oh, Discuss. it's so sexy the way he says it. He, oh, yeah. He wants to oh. do terrible things to that declaration. <laughs> he does. He does. <laughs> I want to smother you in lime juice, lemon juice. 
he's definitely <laughs> maxed out the sex um, <laughs> the sex appeal for this film, hasn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He really has. Um, I mean, did you guys know the film is 16 years old now? I know. Uh, mm. I did, That's I, unreal. I couldn't. I didn't understand that at all. And then I saw what everybody was wearing, and then it suddenly made sense to me. <laughs> like, oh, what were we all thinking at the turn of the millennium at all? <laughs> Justin Bartha's really baggy jeans. They're oh, so baggy. Yeah. <laughs> if it was a wet wet day, they were bloody soaking at the back. They uh, would well, be. you know, he'd have had his that... bed blown off as soon as they got to Washington. <laughs> <laughs> Do they go to Washington? They do, don't they? Yeah, yeah. No, they go everywhere. Yeah. They like, go everywhere. Like Game of Thrones, they go all <laughs> over the place in no time at all. <laughs> um, guys, what is your um, history with this film, for a start? Never seen it. You'd never seen National I Treasure? Knew of it. Had you never seen it, Sai? No. Do you know what, like, I'd seen the last ten minutes of it. <laughs> oh! Oh! So I knew what was going to happen at the end, but I did all what came before it. Like, uh, yeah, my missus said, she was like, have you not seen this movie? It was like, everyone's seen this movie. I was like, I honestly don't think I have. <laughs> and then the last 10 minutes came, and I was like, oh, I've seen this bit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what a 10 minutes as well. <laughs> yes. Uh, what about you, James? Uh, I think I've just saw it on DVD after it came out, to be honest with you. I think I saw the second one at the cinema, but I didn't. Uh, but this one, I think, was a rental, I've got to be honest. And it's I've seen it a couple of times, though. I knew a lot of what the lines were going into this. I don't know if they yeah, yeah. seeped their well, way into popular culture. There's one they say a lot of times. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Would yeah. you have seen it several times if Cage wasn't in it? Probably not. <laughs> I don't think I'd have seen it once I'm if Cage wasn't head. in it. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying if Michael Vartan was the star of Night oh. National Treasure, you would... <laughs> We love you, man. Wouldn't have, well. Let's be honest. It wouldn't have been made, and it had gone straight into. And if it had, it had been in a pound shop bargain <laughs> bin. <laughs> just, just looking at our list of people we've offended tonight. <laughs> we just add Vartan to Jeff Lowe, Carol Baskin, and Joe Exotic. We're back, uh, we're back guys. We're back. <laughs> we're back. We're back, baby. <laughs> Bigger than ever. Um, yeah, I think. Um, Certainly, I saw this in the cinema. Uh, 04, wasn't it? So, saw this in the cinema. Really enjoyed it. I thought it was like... Um, and this this actually answers the question which I should have asked of myself, which is, why did I pick this one tonight? Shows how rusty we are, actually, after a few weeks <laughs> off. But, um, yeah, it, I found it just, like, purely enjoyable in that sort of Saturday afternoon matinee kind of yeah. love of storytelling kind of thing. Yeah. Everyone loves a mystery. Everyone loves a hero going after a mystery. Everyone loves it when he's got a hilarious voice. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone loves that stuff. Every uh, line. Every line. Is uh, honestly, line. honestly, I'm more of a treasure protector. Oh, God, no, no. We, we have to, let's keep the powder dry because we've yeah, got to go no, through no. the whole movie. But, it can't just become can... a cage line of fun. No, you can't, you can't. But that, like that, what you say though, James, is so true. That would you watch it if you were not, uh, you know, if it was not Cage, and probably not. Like, no. But it's the fact that this is Nicolas Cage, Oscar-winning actor, being just so hilarious, <laughs> and, like doing a sort of a, a pseudo James Bond thing with his shtick. Yeah. Uh, as a, it's like James Bond met Indiana Jones, and they had like a kind of a baby and packaged it in mid turn of the millennium clothes <laughs> uh, <laughs> they were left with Nicolas Cage doing this it's just what more can you enjoy so um, 
I didn't even know when I, when this was suggested that it qualified, but it must do because we're all talking about it. So yes, let's start with James budget and box office. What are so we talking about? It's probably not uh, so unsurprisingly as this film spawned a sequel. This was a sizable hit for for Big Nick and uh, and Uber producer Jerry Bruckheimer. Oh, yeah. So um, that said, I was quite surprised at the size of the budget. Can you guys hazard a guess at what you think the budget of this film is? Eighty. Rob. I'm going to say 120 because I think 80 is sensible, but then we need $40 million worth of wigs. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's right in the middle. It's $100 million. And I, I don't think it looks like a $100 million movie. No, it doesn't, does it? It doesn't, it doesn't sound like it either. I think a lot has gone to the star and the producer, potentially. Again, we don't want to get sued. Don't sue us, Jerry Brookhammer. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, off, from that hundred million budget, it made three hundred and forty-seven million worldwide. So Cage could really open a movie back then. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, because the thing is, you can't even argue that nobody's. Everyone's like, you know, it's not like it's a, it's an original idea, isn't it? In terms of it's not from an existing IP. Mm. It's about history and it's about treasure hunting, treasure protecting. Um, <laughs> So you go, people went to see this film because Nicolas Cage is in it. Like, yeah. his name is right above the title. It is a Nicolas Cage vehicle, and people went out in their droves to watch a Nicolas Cage family adventure. And also, he's looking, he's, you know, um, none of us are American, but knowing American culture and, uh, and Americana, yeah. the Declaration of, in- or Declaration of Independence <laughs> is a very, it's like a, like a flag-bearing, um, it's massive in America, isn't it? Yes. And if you put one of their most bankable stars trying to protect the Declaration of Independence, you you're going to get box office. Yeah, absolutely. And Sorry, Cage I, just, is, I, I want to Cage say that is, as many times as I can. Cage is coming off two massive critical, if not financial, hits in Matchstick Men and Adaptation. Mad, Matchstick Men, by the way, is such an underrated movie. It's really, oh, it's really good. It, it's one yeah. of the saddest films I've ever seen. Like, I yeah, was he's amazing, amazing, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's really and, good. Um, he is amazing in that. Yeah. And obviously Adaptation, which is the Spike Jones movie where he plays uh, Charlie Kaufman and his fictional twin, which is a batshit movie, and he was nominated for an Oscar for his role in that. So he's very much hot shit at this stage in his career yeah. still. Mm. So it's a bit of a coup for, you know, and this has always been a Disney property as well, hasn't it? Yes, yeah. Uh, but it's got to be Bruckheimer, hasn't it? Because he did Con Air and The Rock with Bruckheimer. So they're like, yeah. let's get yeah. Cage in. And, and they probably looked at the screen at the screenplay and how preposterous some of the dialogue was. <laughs> like, who could deliver this with a straight face? Nicholas Cage. <laughs> yeah. All at the same time, they all just yeah. went... Cage. <laughs> yeah. Cage, yeah. Do we have $25 million spare? Cage. Yeah. One of the bits of trivia was that it was initially going to be released under Touchstone, which is mm. Disney's sort of... Oh, yeah. You know, the more adult production arm. But then they realised how yeah. family it was, so then they just went, I'll just call it a Disney film. Oh. Like Pirates of the Caribbean. Well, it got a PG rather than a PG-13, yeah. Yeah. Which is surprising given the amount of gunplay in this. There must be I've never seen so many guns in a PG in my life. No, that's true. But no one gets like iced like No, but there is a lot of personal. There is a lot of popping caps into ricocheting metal and <laughs> and into the the Declaration of Independence gets plugged at one point. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler. A number of times, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's no sauciness and there's no fucks or buggers, so uh... No, no. <laughs> 
Well, uh, well, absolutely. You know, if if I the heard words, the word... not the act. Sorry. I... <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, there's none of them either. <laughs> if I heard the word bugger in a in a Disney film, you know, <laughs> I would lose my marbles. Uh, so if if we didn't if we didn't um, qualify via budget and box office, we must have qualified critically. Simon. Yes, yes. It's not. It's not the humongous car crash you would expect from this sort of movie. It's still pretty bad, though. <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes has got it at 46%, um, with a massive 76 for the audience. Oh, I love these things. I love on, these uh, things. Rotten Tomatoes. Metacritic, similar story, 39, uh, 6.9 on the audience. Lightbox is 3.1, so yeah, it's all right. I guess it's higher yeah. than our usual 2.7. Yeah. In there. Yeah. Um, one one particular review uh, from Delaney on the twelfth of January, twenty twenty, actually, so earlier Ooh. this year, before the Rona struck, <laughs> gave it one star. But the review read: Nicholas Cage is the real national treasure. <laughs> <laughs> one star. One star. And then uh, I guess wrong that's with just just for I mean, Cage gets three alone, surely. Yeah. And uh, a really good one, which which jumped on our letterbox, was by Matt Brown on um, the third of April this year. Um, five stars, just the opposite end of the, of the spectrum. <laughs> Supremely dorky and widely far fetched, and still one of my absolute favourites. <laughs> oh, you see. I don't disagree with a single syllable he just uttered. No, you no, just uttered no, on his yeah. behalf. Uh, I, I, Seriously. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with Matt Brown. Um, but yeah, general consensus was that it was kind of too ridiculous and implausible to be considered a good movie. But yeah, it, it's a journey through American history via a treasure hunt. Like, what were they expecting? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I bet you Dan Brown likes it. <laughs> I bet Dan Brown really enjoys it. <laughs> but I mean, it's only right uh, for our return after a few weeks off to also welcome back our favourite <gasps> resident critic, uh, Mr. Mick LaSalle. Bring him on in. Bring him on in. <laughs> Come on in, Vic. Come on, have, have a beer. As like the Backstreet Boys would would say, "Oh my God, he's back again." He is. <laughs> he's back again. Now it's quite interesting with, with LaSalle's review in terms of how Rotten Tomatoes counts it and how Metacritic counts it. So Metacritic says it's fifty out of a hundred, whereas Rotten Tomatoes says his original score was three out of four because he does the old Ebert scale. Oh yeah. Um, Mick LaSalle said it has no ambition no ambition and false sentiment but it does have velocity high spirits and scale so he liked it I think <laughs> on the whole damning with the faintest of praise <laughs> no ambition no. Rob is stunned <laughs> <laughs> no ambition this starts in Iceland with a flipping boat blowing up <laughs> They find a pipe that takes them to the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> what is wrong with you, Mick? It oh, actually dear. starts in the 1800s, Rob. <laughs> it does, yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're right. <laughs> even more, supporting your point even further, we go from exactly. ridiculous flashback is... to something to do with the Masons, the Declaration of Independence, and yeah. some nonsense, and then we just cut straight to Cage. And to be honest with you, I'm not digging that first six minutes. I'm like... I'm here for the money. Show me my man. Show oh, me the boy. When, like, when, um, yeah. young, young Cage is chiefing some book from uh, Christopher, Christopher Plummer. Because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is quite a long film, isn't it? And I think where you're looking to save time, that whole cold open with the flashback to the Declaration of Independence signing the Freemasons and trying to 
throw the British off the scent with I don't even know if that's what's happening to be honest with you it's so convoluted and ridiculous <laughs> it's like the only thing I remember about that opening salvo is John Voight's astonishing wig <laughs> honestly absolutely you... what, James, a, um... what a tooth <laughs> <laughs> a minute ago you mentioned Backstreet Boys James I think it didn't it didn't wasn't Nick Carter wig supervisor for this <laughs> Nick Carter <laughs> wishes he had hair like John Voight in the opening of this film <laughs> Is John Voight returning to the pod? Was John Voight on this on another film, or was is this he? his first time? Is this is this his first? I don't know. We've actually. done so many, and I forgot most of them. <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, I I'm not sure we've had John Voight on before. Certainly not one uh, an occasion where he's been wearing a wig quite as majestic oh, as this. Fantastic. Isn't it? He clearly wasn't as memorable as he is in this particular picture. Do, do you know what the thing was? <laughs> You know, the thing what the, that grated the most out of this sequence was the fact that the boy talked with a normal accent, like, you know, Grandpa, what's what's this? You know, he's not going, Grandpa, where, where is the Declaration? Where is, he's not, he's not. Talk to me about history, Grandpa. <laughs> he's not doing. If only that it was made today and they could have a de-aged Nicolas Cage. Oh my God! Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> Christopher Plummer. Tell me about the craft of history. I want to learn. I want to learn. Have you ever seen that round table where him and Morgan Freeman get into a debate about acting, about whether it's talent or whether it's craft? No, no. And uh, and Nicholas is like, Morgan Freeman is getting a bit, a little bit uppity because he's like, you know, he's an elder statesman and he's like, no, no, it's craft. It's craft. It's like a job. And he's like, Cage is a much more spiritual uh, approach to acting. He's just like, no, no, I'm trying to understand, Morgan. Please explain it to me. <laughs> Oh, just, honestly, our lives, can you imagine, like, how many years, how many decades, how many ages of human history that we get to live at the same time as Nicholas oh, Cage? How lucky are we, really? Yeah, and I think I said this on maybe the Snake Eyes episode. I can't wait for, like, a young, up-and-coming director who gets, like, a big budget to sort of bring... A, a lot of these movies that he's making at the moment are really fun and really good, like, independent horror films and, and thrillers mm. and things like that. But I can't wait until the comeback where someone puts him in a massive mainstream tentpole movie again and he mm. absolutely rips it up. Well, he's due one because, like, what was last? When was last time he tore it up at the box office? I mean, Kickass probably ten years ago. Yeah, I would say that was it. I mean, the thing is that Wicker Man remake really sort of, sort of started to derail him. That's when the that's when the wheels started coming off. There was a few good years after that. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) you know, he was still brilliant in it. Yeah, yeah, that that. that film is only two years away, and there is a National Treasure sequel after that. But I think the wheels are starting to come off, and people are getting a bit fed up by that point. Idiots! Not me, obviously. <laughs> Idiots! <laughs> the Flickering Myth Podcast is a source for all of the weekly entertainment news that we could possibly be bothered to talk about. Tune in every Tuesday for a roundtable discussion featuring a host of Flickering Myth writers and contributors. You can find us on all your favorite podcatchers as well as right here at flickeringmyth.com, part of the Flickering Myth Podcast Network. So I suppose it's about time that we started talking about the film itself. Um, the film opens with, yeah, obviously this ridiculous bit with a bewigged John Voight and uh, a Nicolas Cage kid who sounds nothing like Nicolas Cage. Um, even pre-puberty would never sound like Nicolas Cage. Uh, And then they go to Iceland and Nicolas Cage is digging up some massive ship with Sean Bean who also might have an incredible wig. That's that's all his. Is that his hair? Do you think so? He's in the When Saturday Comes sort of vein 
like Jimmy Still Muir sharp. is um is the ace sharp on it on. Yeah. Yeah. Although those frosted <laughs> tips aren't gonna go down too well in jail. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, we're not. No, no, we're still a bit away from Game of Thrones, aren't we? So you know, yes. he's still got six years before that happens, hasn't he? Yeah, we're very much in the. Um, it comes back to our Lord of the Rings discussion. So I think after he was in the very first Lord of the Rings, he started cropping up in these in these big budget Hollywood productions. Yeah, you know, sort the of island. one note. Uh, yeah, yeah, one note British scumbags, basically. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. he's he's got a, he goes between having that. That Sheffield twang, and then yeah, also yeah. being quite up a crust, and you know, yeah. I'm sorry about this, Benjamin Gates. It's not a pro, you know, like yeah, yeah. For the purposes of this podcast and consistency, whenever I speak a line of uh, Sean Bean, I'm just going to say bastard, bastard, <laughs> you, bastard. you shit house Gates. <laughs> <laughs> Find me, me bloody treasure, or shove this bread cake down your throat, duck, <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> Uh, we're introduced as well to Justin Bartha, who is the comedy sidekick in proceedings. Yeah, oh, and, Christ. Yeah, I've got. I've got. Um, <laughs> by the time we get to the third act, I've got a hot take. What's that? Oh, no, I'm going to wait till the third. Oh, act. All right, okay. <laughs> he's he's quite irritating. I think that's probably. Oh, just a bit. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a lovely fringe, though. What? It, oh, uh, sorry, lovely bangs. Is that what the Americans? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lovely Bartha bangs. Yeah, yeah. And he's got a lovely. Facial hair thing going on as well. Yeah, yeah. And they double cross him underneath the ice. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, because Nicolas Cage finds a pipe and <laughs> Sean Bean's not happy about that. Yeah, yeah. He wants his treasure now, damn it. Uh, he doesn't want Where's to treasure, you it. bastard? You bastard! <laughs> you said it in beer, you bastard! <laughs> so they turn on um, Cage. Yeah, so these are two like treasure hunting. They come from two treasure hunting families, don't they? About um, yeah, yeah. Mm. So Cage is the American. Is it Gates? His surname, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. Sean Bean is the British side who are trying to get this treasure, which yeah. the Americans hidden from the British. Yeah. Oh, it's oh the, the, the subtext is glorious, like <laughs> lovely stuff. The whole movie yeah. is just like a massive fuck you to Britain, isn't it? <laughs> the English people. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Um, we had it yeah, coming, to be fair. to add. Really. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's very pro-America. I had no problem with all that, though. I, I, no, I, no, uh, no, no, no. We can't go back in history and rewrite how we were or how they were or anything, so let's stop. No, from. exactly, yeah. No problems at all. Bartha and... Well, no. Mega action music is going on at this point. Cage is revealing himself immediately to be supremely watchable. He <laughs> yeah. either knows that he's the top dog in this film or, you know, he's trying to be. I think he knows. Yeah, I think <laughs> he's fully aware. I think his paycheck probably told him what, <laughs> yeah. all he needed to know about where he's, where he stood in the packing order. But, but Bean is also brilliant. Oh, Bean's great. Uh, I don't know. I find him a bit one-dimensional, apart from enjoying I his like accent him. immensely because that's where all of my extended family from <laughs> um, <laughs> during these opening sequences my first note on that is um sean bean is very much in alex rebellion mode oh yeah i don't trust him one bit <laughs> <laughs> he may as well have shit house printed on forehead <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's directed by john turtle Taub, isn't it turtle Tarp. Turtle yeah, Tarp. I, I, I really liked the script, and then when I found out that John Turtle Tarp would be directing <laughs> it, I just left with the opportunity to make this phenomenal film. 
That's oh, well, not, not a quote. Word, I just, I just to say that you were inventing it. Yeah. <laughs> I just I, invent Cage having conversations with himself. Now. Partly, I was hoping that the pronunciation of Turtle Taub was Turtle Toib. <laughs> I don't know. He sounds like he should be hanging from a Christmas tree in uh, <laughs> <laughs> two turtle taubes. <laughs> His back catalogue is an interesting one, isn't it? Oh, oh it is, got, it is. It's a nostalgia fest, isn't it? What have we got here? We've got three ninjas. Three ninjas. <laughs> cool classic. Runnings. Cool runnings. And everyone seems to love While You Were Sleeping with Sandy B. Oh, is that uh, where she pretends that um, she's the, the, the girlfriend of the guy who's in a coma? I haven't seen it in such a long time. It's Bill Pullman, oh. isn't it? It's also in that film. Oh, what a dish. She falls in love with Bill Pullman while she's pretending that she's the other half of his brother who's in a coma. It, like, it's quite good. <laughs> <laughs> he he also did The Kid as well, which I, I love The Kid. Oh, which you should yeah. be, oh Bruce Willis, be on yeah. Disney Plus, because that's a Disney film as well, isn't it? And given how we've been shilling for Disney uh, in, in this podcast so far, it'll probably be on this show in <laughs> not too long. I know, not no, seriously. I the Kid I, I, great. I've never seen it. I can't. The kid, the oh, kid said really to me, "Daddy, good. can we get can we get Disney Plus?" And I was like, "Well, no, no, we can't get another streaming service." And then I thought, "Hang on a minute, <laughs> it's the FYR film podcast I'm involved with. Yeah. I've got to get some. I, I might as well because it will it will pay the bills." If I, well, I, I'm <laughs> just um, I'm just riding the coattails of my brother who got it for his uh, his two children. So I'm like, uh, "Can I get the can I get the login, please?" <laughs> oh, All of so, the live right, action Disney on. movies. Jeff Lowe, <laughs> Joe Exotic, Carol Bass. Skin. Uh, John Voight? Did we upset John Voight? Might have done a little no, we upset him. And Disney. <laughs> and Disney. So, great. Hey, I'm the biggest advocate for live-action Disney movies, man. You're not going to find anything. Yes, hey, I know, true. I know. And you've done your bit on here, Si. You, you, if anyone, you deserve a free subscription to Disney+. Plus. Disney. Disney. Um, Right, so my notes here say "lovely jeans on cage with oh, an open neck white shirt." Oh, he's <laughs> jeans and his big, his massive collar you could really paraglide with. <laughs> you could show a film on each one of the collars uh, on each side of his collar. Like that shirt is absolutely ridiculous <laughs> and not appropriate for going to visit someone, a doctor in a, in a museum. Like. He, you know, especially if you're going to go in there and mack her senseless. Like, oh, um, it's, it's, it's yeah. like they, they, they say how they got turned away by the FBI and like the CIA yeah. and all that. And it wasn't because of what you were telling them. It was because you were dressed like Jeremy Clarkson. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is full, he's gone full Clarkson and we all know you should never go full Clarkson. You should never do that. You should never um, do that. He's got a lovely, a lovely blazer on. That's fine. And then he's got... Uh, high school teacher on a field trip, blue jeans on. <laughs> yeah, lovely, lovely. And then just this shirt, he looks like he's been out clo- at Studio 66. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually really like that scene when he tries to get a look at the declaration with um, Diane Kruger. Yes, yeah. And um, Riley's with him. Riley is Justin Barthes' character's name. And um, yeah, it's good. And Riley immediately is the one who starts going, wow, you know, she's she's attractive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Riley really says what everybody, what the the screenwriters think everybody in the audience is thinking. Like, it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, or maybe they're too dumb. She's attractive. Quick, get Riley to tell the audience yeah. that she's. Hey, everyone, everyone, like, she's yes. attractive. She's attractive. Yeah, thanks, Riley. Thanks for it's that. It's a bit like you know, we got Dadson. We got Dadson here. <laughs> yeah, definitely. 
<laughs> and it's at this point that um, he lays out Sean Bean's plan to steal the Declaration of Independence to Diane Kruger. She's not buying it, but he does also tell her, and this is an immortal line, that he is not a treasure hunter. He's more of a treasure protector. <laughs> which is a quite incredible way of putting things. Uh, and all I can think of is, yes, I, I'm with you, yeah. Nick Cage. Uh, they they get unceremoniously booted out, but she's interested in in yeah. sort of what they've got to say to a degree. I think actually this this next scene, uh, Justin Bartha has the whole the best line in the whole movie, apart from the obvious Declaration of Independence, um, where he <laughs> says, you know, what do you think, you know, and it's the preservation room, yeah, and he says, is this where oh. they prepare the delicious jams and jellies? <laughs> I did laugh at that. I thought that was a very good line. <laughs> it is a really good line. It's really funny. <laughs> I really laughed. <laughs> oh, you've skipped the part where Cage, after he gets shot down by Diane Kruger, he goes out into, to have a look at the declaration as it's on display oh, in the museum. Yeah. And basically, he gets a full Woody for this declaration <laughs> in, the, in front of hordes of school children. Let me just say. <laughs> I hope that's white clean glass because he wants to do bad, bad things to that declaration. <laughs> it's a naughty, naughty declaration of independence. <laughs> he recites half of it, doesn't he? He's he does, like, yeah. When there's people and we've got to do something. You know, I'm absolutely not. <laughs> I've not read the declaration of independence. No, neither have I, neither have I. Made it and uh, it's at that point that he says, I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. Oh, it's just so good. And then we're off. We're off to the races then. And we go heist movie, don't we, for about 25 minutes as him and Riley decide how they're going to nick it, basically. Yeah, yeah. It goes on Mission Impossible, doesn't it, where they come out with a plan. Yeah, it's like like Mission Impossible and Ocean's Eleven um, and a bit of James Bond uh, as well thrown in. Um, To be honest, this sequence was more Bond than Bond Bond has been in years so yeah i'm down with that and the thing is as well like this is where you can't where mix take there's no ambition is is ridiculous because they do all that in 25 minutes in terms of figuring out the plan how to steal the declaration of independence and actually executing the plan and then getting away with said declaration most films would that would be a 90 minute plot over the course of how the characters are going to steal the declaration they do it in 25 minutes like yeah yeah it's done and now we're on to the next thing this isn't even the main crux of the movie this is just just one of yeah. the many um macguffins that we need to get to to take us on to the it's like the horcruxes in harry potter isn't it it's just going from one pit stop to the next only it's historical documents in this case yeah i totally yeah. agree it is just a it's a it's a it's an america a lesson in american history with Nicolas Cage <laughs> on a treasure hunt. And who wouldn't want it? Which is why I really enjoyed it, because it's just... Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I was learning stuff. I was like, oh... Yeah, I know yeah. nothing about American <laughs> history, for the most part, yeah. like, so, especially about all the legislation and, and the monuments and things like that. So, yeah, it was... It's probably all I was really enjoying all the, all, like, all, the, all the history lessons. The, yeah, the worry is that I now think there is a secret map on the back of the corporation, <laughs> so... Um, yeah, maybe I might have to draw it a line somewhere, but Nicolas Cage hasn't told me where. Get your lemons. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
yeah, uh, there's a lovely, um, well, obviously that sequence takes place, a lovely evening event. Yeah. Everyone's in their finery. Yeah. There's a bit of a car chase thing, a van chase thing going on. Yeah. I, I, this is, again, I don't understand where LaSalle is coming from. I mean, Mick, love you, mate. We always do. <laughs> but I don't know when you say no ambition. I mean, it's got huge ambition, it, this. Yeah, it because it goes everywhere and it's 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 bringing in a lot of american you know cuz america's quite a, a new country a, yeah in terms of its history it's not really got much and it crams so much of its and it makes it sound rich as well it makes it feel Ooh, like yeah. there's a lot of and stuff really going important on. like massively important yeah and they go to all these really big cities and really big like historical locations and things and yeah. it's just yeah Shut up, Mick. <laughs> <laughs> so Mick LaSalle gets added to Disney yeah, and Carol Bansky and everyone else. We, we are two-footed tonight. <laughs> Part of their plan is to send a lovely medal to um, Diane Kruger. Oh, to get her in good box. Yeah, yeah. And she receives it. And she uh, immediately gets one of her you know, pals from the office to come in and have a look as well. And she immediately says, oh, God, I hope it's not from Stan. Who's Stan? I will, who's this legend who keeps, you know, sending government employees, you know, bits of history? <laughs> Where's this guy? I want to know about the Stan Chronicles. Is he the creepy guy who's at the ball with her who's kind of following oh, around that, and trying to crack onto her? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and then Cage swoops in yeah. and he's like, sorry, Stan, you are not sorry, Stan. the man. Oh, is yeah. that who it is? I, I, oh, that's what I assume. I do love all the Mission Impossible stuff with the like, you know, when yeah. they get extract her yeah. fingerprints and they get the password. I love all that. By... Love it. Yeah, all. yeah. The reason he gives her that gift is he puts all this like weird um, ultraviolet dye on the pin, doesn't he? Mm. Yeah. So when she touches it, it's on her fingers, and he, she, he can figure out the password for for mm. to get in the security stuff. This bit's great. It's really good. It's probably it's... is this a is this a good time to mention music? Because oh yeah, when this film when this film opened, I was like, "Fuck, that is an amazing score," and yeah. then it goes really shit for the rest of the film. Yeah, it goes a bit a... generic, doesn't it? Yeah, like it dials down every like car chase or foot chase or action scene quite a lot yeah. and turns it for me it just turned it into like a tv movie and i was like this is way better than it is because of the crappy music making it sound shit <laughs> and this is the scene where i noticed it like i was like oh. yeah it feels like someone sort of maybe yeah because like the the full orchestral stuff is really good but then like they're just sort of generic thriller yeah, chase the, music the, 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 is not the, the, really up the, 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 to the same yeah, standard. No, so. Totally agree, totally agree. Do you know who the composer is? I do know who it is, yeah, yeah. So the uh, the composer on this uh, one is a guy called Trevor Rubin, and oh. he's done things like Deep Blue Sea and Armageddon, <laughs> yeah. so he's a bit of a, um, a, 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 you know, a standard sort of action guy, obviously in the Bruckheimer wheelhouse, so they just bring him I, in I, when they need a bit of music, I suppose. I love that the um, that Deep Blue Sea is quickly becoming FIR's version of the one that got away. Yeah, because it doesn't qualify anymore either. It's gone up to sixty percent. It was on fifty nine no. for so long. No, <laughs> we've missed our chance. No, we've missed we've yeah. missed the boat. Oh my god! Someone needs to give it a bad review so we can get it on the podcast. Absolutely devastated. Yeah. Oh no! Outrageous. No, devast. Yeah, that's not acceptable. <laughs> um. Oh so yeah, so the, uh, uh, Bartha and um, and Cage are, are, are nicking the the Declaration of Independence. Uh, all the all the while, it's being intercut with uh, Sean Bean's less 
artistic and much more violent version of getting into the <laughs> yes. getting hit out of the preservation room. It's like Cage is doing all this stuff with like with like uh, chemicals and things to get the to get Diane Kruger's uh, thumbprint, whereas <laughs> Sean Bean's approach is just just twat him and put his bloody thumb on keypad and we'll get through <laughs> that way. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And they have that you know when they hack the cameras? Cage walks yeah. into the preservation room where they make the jams and jellies, and um, yeah. he, he he walks in and points at the camera like it's such a good point. Like when he walks yeah, in, yeah. And, you know, to point at Justin Bartha, and then there's that there's that great big car chase, uh, and they get mm-hmm. away. Uh, Diane Kruger is being sort of wooed by the possibility of mystery. I think that's the one. Everyone yeah, loves yeah. a mystery. Us as an audience, we're here now because we're enjoying mystery. We're enjoying all that. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. So um, we go to John Voigt's house. and uh, Who unfortunately has had a haircut in the yeah. preceding years. Hugely disappointing. <laughs> yeah, it's such a Hugely shame. Hugely disappointing. But um, he's half wanting to hate them and half wanting everyone to leave. And it's loads of fun. I really enjoy that. You know, and then he gets sucked into the mystery as well. This is the point where actually, um, I actually, you know, um, reading a little bit about... Because I like to champion movies that don't get a lot of love. This is where academic and film theorist David Bordwell has expressed a liking for the film, placing it in the tradition of 1950s Disney children's adventure yes. movies yeah. and using it as the basis for an essay on scene transitions in classical Hollywood cinema. And this is the scene he's talking about. You know, like uh, this is the one that I think primarily he was talking about. The, there's good movie making going on here. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm having a lot of fun with the movie at this point. I like, yeah. really, yeah. really enjoying it. I think it's a very good family adventure. Um, and yeah, I'm 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 so I'm with Cage every step of the way on this. Exactly. And the thing is for me, I don't think this film would have worked with any other A-list movie star of the mm. time because they wouldn't have been able to deliver the I mean we're talking this this character that Cage is playing Benjamin Gates he he talks exclusively in historical factoids is essentially a history robot with a <laughs> yeah <laughs> like um and no one else would be able to pull that off without while keeping a straight face he plays it right down the middle like so so earnestly and with such gravitas it's like yeah, yeah all right yeah you're absolutely right, James, and I never thought about this, that actually there is no character development for Gates in the film. Oh, no. No, he's a genius at, at the start. He's yeah. a genius at the end. It's just, there's nothing, che- there's no advancement, no arc, no nothing. Yeah. He's just, you know, um, well, our family was shunned because we knew about the Declaration. And then, like, hours later, it's still the same. Like, we, we told him, Dad. <laughs> That's it. Incredible! John Voight's the cynic, isn't he? He he just he warns yeah, he warns yeah, Cage yeah. that um he's doing this merry goose chase, thinking that uh he's gonna f- find the treasure. But John Voight's like it's just clue after clue. That's all it is. He's just chasing yeah. clues. It's horseshit. I wasted my life so, on this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's basically what the film is. It, each thing you're like, oh, he's found. So-. No, it's another clue. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, another clue. yeah, Go yeah. Somewhere else. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then we go to um. Uh, I think I might have been enjoying myself when I was watching this because I've just written. I was. I'm desperate to swing some big cartography case on my back while I'm running. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they go to Philadelphia, the Liberty Bell, and all this. There's a plot point yeah. around daylight savings time where yeah. Riley knows something that Cage yeah. doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
Sean Bean's on their case. He's like, where is that bastard Gates? I'm going to get him. <laughs> um, He's there the whole time, isn't he? Just always one yeah, step yeah. behind. Wearing him. a ludicrous suit. Like, did they not have fitted oh, yeah. suits in the early 2000s? Like, it's, the trousers are really baggy. He's wearing a shirt that looks like someone threw up on it on, the, on his way <laughs> out of the nightclub. Like... It's really bad with the frosted tips as well. It's just, it's just not a great look all round. Wasn't it during the Great Taylor Recession of 2000, 2005? <laughs> but he's supposed to be like a billionaire, isn't he? Like, and it's, um, yeah, he's not really pull- He's not really selling it on me. He does look like he's just walked out of a nightclub. <laughs> and he's like, oh yeah, I, I only wear go- crap and sunning. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a load of chasing around um, Philadelphia. Cage finds some sort of ocular device. To- oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the spectacles to the layman. <laughs> <laughs> Which is going gonna, gonna to read something or other on the back of the declaration. To be honest with you, it doesn't really matter at this stage. It's just like they found this bit at this historical place and then they have to go to this historical place and find this bit and then this bit and then it, and then it goes on from there and Sean Bean's after them. There's a few chases and, everyone, and there's a few quips and everyone has a lovely old time. Basically, and that's what the film is up until when Harvey Keitel, who's the FBI agent who's on Cage's tail. I was so surprised when I saw Harvey Keitel pop up. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Harvey Keitel's in this movie. Sporting glorious eyeliner as well. (laughs) I think this is the point where Harvey Keitel just said, if you pay me enough money, I will do anything, basically. Hence the direct line ads that have been running in this country for the last five or six years. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you think Tarantino's seen those adverts? And how does he feel about Harvey Keitel using his character? Does he get paid for that? (laughs) He must be getting some food. Absolutely unbelievable. And he's, he's, he's just he's like he's just going full Brooklyn. He's just like, he's like you're stealing the treasure. Someone has to go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> so who goes it's to like, jail? It's like I need I need to I need to find the Declaration of Independence. The two, treasure. The two, <laughs> <laughs> I think somebody has to go to jail. The two bad oh, yeah, tenants. Oh yeah, the tenants. United. Yeah, yeah, yes, it is. That's uh, a good cage movie, actually. The the bad lieutenant. Port of New Orleans, really good. Oh, it's, yeah, it's and to bring it back full circle, there. that's what caused him to get in that argument with Morgan Freeman in the run-up to awards. Oh, really? <laughs> argument, uh, debate. Uh, uh. <laughs> right, can I can I use this moment, please, to talk about um, my hot take? Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Right, I think that um, the way this film is set up, um, if you switch it to Riley's perspective, <laughs> he's supposed to be the guy that gets the girl. Right. Do you see where I'm coming from here? Yeah. Well, he because he's the he's the more handsome one, isn't he? <laughs> right. Get out, Simon. <laughs> I imagine he's closer in age to Diane Kruger as well. Hey, he's got he's got he's got bangs. But he's got bangs, yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't tell her to shut up throughout the entire movie. Like, no, and true, after yeah. she's been hanging off the back of a van, he doesn't ask her if she's hungry for no reason. What? <laughs> are you hungry? Are you, are you hungry? Are you hungry? <laughs> <laughs> no. Kruger, you know, and this is the bit I don't like in the film. Kruger is hugely sidelined in Acts 2 and 3. Yes. Um, essentially, until Cage in Act 3, is the and next time he notices her, he says, come here and snogs her. That's it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, not, it's not great, really. Come here. 
Um, you know, even though I would definitely come here if he said that to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so there's this massive sequence in the middle where it's just like it's Riley and Kruger who are in a hostage situation together and trying to crack the problem together. And Riley's the one who initially says, I like her. Yeah. He's then the one who also says, is that really nice looking lady there? And the film is actually about Riley going, you know, trying to get in the good graces of Diane Kruger, doing really, really well yeah. until Cage says, come here, because he uses his star wattage and salary <laughs> to mack on Riley's lady. I think, prob- I think there probably was a draft back in the day, because... Uh, the guys who wrote um, the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, they're uncredited as having done a massive rewrite on this as well. So they didn't get a credit. And I think probably, uh, I think there's probably some truth in what you're saying there in that the way it's been set up is that surely, yeah, he's going to get the girl at some point because because as well, it sort of speaks to Cage's character that all he cares is about is is the treasure and mm, the history. Yeah, and, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, he ain't got enough time for no women. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and, I mean, right, fast forward to the end, you know, and yeah, spoiler yeah. alert, you know, ta-da, they find the treasure and it all works out. And Riley comes over and he properly rubs his face in it. Like, I've got a massive country estate and I've got Diane Kruger. Here yeah. we go. Riley, enjoy your Ferrari while I just heavily mack on the woman that you have been for the majority of this movie. <laughs> I was so, so uneasy with that because I really liked how it started off, how it was going, because she was a reluctant participant to begin with. And then mm-hmm. as it went on and as the clues piled up and all, she became more and more on board. Yeah. And I like that. And it was annoying how it was like either him telling her to shut up or then forcefully backing on her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I didn't need it to be romance, I don't think, either way, with any of them. I don't think it No, no, she could just be his equal. No, that was no. working out fine. They were just a good little team unit, I thought. Yeah, you know. yeah. And yeah, I, th- I think they could have saved that maybe even for the sequel so that nobody gets the girl at that stage and then you could maybe more organically bring it so that Justin Barthor actually has some agency and, some <laughs> and a goal uh, other than following yeah. Nicolas Cage around. It's it's actually really funny that you mention that because a lot of uh, readers of my books say to me, you know, like, um, it was great, you know, we liked it when he could never get the girl because it had more drama. Mm. You know, like, and as soon as yeah, yeah. they get the girl, the drama actually decreases a little bit. You mm-hmm. know, it might make you happy for like the last ten pages of a book or whatever, but it doesn't make you. You know, it doesn't lend to drama going into the next book because you're already at a point of happiness. You know what I mean? So yeah, really interesting yeah. that. Um, so yeah, I agree. I, I, I wish Riley had actually got with Diane Kruger here. There would have been, although he is a bit of a dweeb, and when you're up against the man mountain that is Nicolas Cage, he's, there's only going to be one winner, isn't there? Really. I mean, it's so sad, really. Like, like, he must have had the best intentions ever, Riley. And then, you know, with his little lines about jams and jellies, and then you've yeah. got Cage with his absolute wattage and his knowledge of history and his ability to send dye-covered sovereigns to her. <laughs> How can I compete with that? Exactly. <laughs> oh, and just for reference, uh, there's two years between Justin Barthor and Diane Kruger and 12 between uh, Cage and Diane Kruger. So I think we know which one would have been more suitable. I yeah? thought it would have been more than that, actually. But um, still, it's a quite a big... 12 is just about on the right side of uh, it's, acceptability. It's... But... Sheesh. It's Hollywood, isn't it, man? Oh. I wanted to know what the... You know, when they were in the scene together and um, 
John Voigt had the massive Backstreet Boys hair. What the age difference between Christopher Plummer and John Voigt was at that moment? Oh, it was probably about yeah. six months. <laughs> <laughs> Should we find out? Should we live Google this one? I have yeah, yeah. live Google it. I'm going to live Google this one. Who's doing it? Are you doing it? Am I doing it? Christopher Plummer is 90 years old. Oh. John Voigt is 82. 80, so he's eight years. years. Christopher Mummer was eight when he uh, knocked up John Voight's mum. <laughs> <laughs> is that 1938? 1938 is John Voight. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. 82 years. Yeah. yeah. And, and Plummer is flipping it. 1929. <laughs> <laughs> Marvellous. So, you know, we're educational as well as, you know. So, they really, really are. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's the end sequence. Um, underground. Uh, they get through, uh, what is it? What do they call it? Something like Parkington's Lane. You know, Parkington's resting spot. I don't know. Yeah. They end up underneath a tomb somewhere. They get downstairs. Um, and <laughs> um, Sean Bean, they, they trick him with saying like, oh, it's another clue. You've got to go to Boston. <laughs> and then, you know, he just goes, right, I'm going. I'm going. See you later. I'm off and- then, you twats. Enjoy dying. Buff. <laughs> <laughs> And then they go, and they're like, oh, we, we tricked him. And yeah, no, the, the treasure's all there. Yeah, they found it. Yeah. And I like that bit that they that they accepted 1% of the value of it and they all get like lovely houses and cars and all sorts. Yeah. And Sean Bean doesn't die. He goes to prison instead in this one, which is a turn up for the books yeah, for him. Yeah, he doesn't die, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, that's true. One of the rare He's movies he doesn't die. It was... It wasn't a very satisfactory ending for a villain. This no, time. no, it was a bit. It was a bit because his bald henchman, like henchman number one, goes flying off some uh, off some platforms, doesn't he? Towards the yeah, end, yeah, he does. Yeah, falls yeah. to a horrible death, but nothing happens to to Shawnee and his um, and his lovely frosted tips. He's just gonna. <laughs> they're just gonna grow out in prison. <laughs> Imagine the the judge like, Sean, your frosted tips are going to grow out. In Her Majesty's go no no why in America no, no, no. anyway um, <laughs> imagine so- in the coda <laughs> Ian Ian ha- Ian Ian Sean Bean whatever his bloody name is <laughs> was given the chair shortly after <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I'd love that you crime. tried to steal the Declaration of Independence <laughs> yeah Ian is uh, definitely in Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> He is, he is. He's getting water, waterboarded for all the secrets of the pipes that Cage was pulling up from the stupid boat. Um, right. Best bit of the film, please, gentlemen. Um, well, we touched on it quite a bit earlier, so I can't stress in, enough how outrageous Cage's outfit is when he goes to meet <laughs> Abigail Chase for the first time. Uh, so I absolutely loved it. Could never get away with it. And, you know, what was understated in there, along with the ridiculous shirt and hilarious jeans is uh is the rug of love poking out like he's got an unbelievable <laughs> mane of hair on his chest uh, but my actual favorite moment is when they lose the video feed in the uh preservation room and he has to take the whole case with the declaration inside uh to the elevator and um ian and his goons get off the lift and um <laughs> yeah well, they, they are get their hired goons and uh, basically, they Goonies. they plug, uh, they, they just shoot at him straight away. And he, uh, what they've set up earlier, and I always like this in any kind of action scenario, is that was a throwaway line about the declaration being behind 
three inches of bulletproof glass and Cage uses the declaration case as a shield, basically, and takes the yeah. bullets full full bore in the uh, uh, in the uh, declaration and it saves his life. Oh, that's my favourite moment, lovely. I would say. Good bit. Sat? Um, I really, apart from Harvey Keitel's eyeliner... <laughs> I really like the bit with uh, where they get the Liberty Bell clue, uh, where they're in Urban Outfitters. Oh yeah! And yeah. He, he looks at the a uh, hundred dollar bill through through a bottle to find the time on the <gasps> the clock and the thing. And uh, yeah, I really yeah, like that. Yeah. Bit. I thought that was water really bottle good. magnifying glass. Does this work? Has anyone ever tried it? <laughs> so, no, no. I don't think it works. <laughs> I just really, I just really enjoyed that bit. You know, I thought it was really, really good. Yeah, I enjoyed the sassy sales clerk who won't let him look at one of the hundred dollar bills that he just paid away. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Rob? Uh, I'm gonna say I really liked. Um, you know, when they knocked on John Voigt's door, he was just having a lovely, quiet evening in with some pizza <laughs> and a bottle of white, so bottle of red. Bottle of red and some yeah. pizza. <laughs> what a nice evening he was having. He didn't need to be bothered with all this rubbish. He was having such. He was having a whale of a time. Yeah, he might have been watching Midnight Cowboy. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> <laughs> he might have been having. Yeah, no, that that was my like knocking on John Voight's door, and he was playing that exact same character in. Um, when he played the president in the Transformers movies. <laughs> yeah, know? basically. It's yeah, exactly yeah. the same guy. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I like seeing big actors in stuff like this, to be honest. I, I really do, because... Quite a few they, in this one as well. Yeah, they Quite bring something that, like, they elevate the fair so much higher because they're there and they're doing their thing. So, yeah, I really like it. It's because it's a Bruckheimer movie, isn't it? You find this yeah, in everything yeah. from The Rock to Armageddon. It's just got like, oh, he's really well-known and he's really well-known and in these really minor roles as well. Uh, yeah, no, that's absolutely right. Um, I've got um, an ambush question for you all as well. Um, best cage moment? Treasure protector. <laughs> Treasure protector! <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the most ridiculous lines I've ever... I've ever heard, but he delivers it with such. <laughs> no one else could deliver that line. Tom Cruise couldn't deliver That's that no line with a straight yeah, face. No Brad Pitt, no There's chance. No Tom Hanks couldn't do it. <laughs> so, what about you? Um, oh, that the that that shot when they go into the crypt and he's got the torch. Oh. Um, and he just walks through the 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 like stone walkway and it's just like lit by this flaming torch. And that's the poster right there when he just walks in. Yeah, like, yeah. That is pure sex, that shot. <laughs> I, I find this question quite hard to answer because um, there's a lot to enjoy here. But he's he's not he's not like in mad cage mode. You know, I think he was madder in um, Knowing, the other film that we... Yes. The other cage film that we covered. He's a little bit more restrained here. But this is closer a... to what I think Nicolas Cage is like in real life. Like, he's a bit manic, but generally can function in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Not ridiculously difficult to handle. And quite funny. Uh, He's quite like naturally witty, I found in this. I thought yeah, he, was yeah. very, he was very funny. Yeah. Um, when um, she pressures him um, in the the club shop. The club shop? What we're talking about? Urban <laughs> Outfitters. My no, United the... Megastore. <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about? The, the place where he buys the independence. The the decorate, you know, like yeah. the, the souvenir the, shop. The the, the souvenir <laughs> shop, not the club shop. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't going in buying some teddies to hang in his rearview mirror. Uh, now, and she says, to, you know, he says like it's thirty five dollars, and he's like, oh, you know, I've got thirty two 
45. <laughs> and you never see him that flustered. And I thought it was quite different for him, actually. I thought it was really different. Uh, so, no, I really, really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. So, right, FYR for your reconsideration. James, do you want to take this? Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's obvious that I've had a really good time with this film. What I will say is um, it's overlong and the episodic nature of travelling from one clue to the next, for me, it did start to wear thin towards the end. I think they could have maybe cut one or two of those clues and it wouldn't have uh, the film would have moved at a much brisker pace. Um, fortunately, the film has one secret weapon to keep the audience engaged and his name is Nicolas Cage. Uh, without Cage in the lead, the film would not work. Playing an obsessive who speaks exclusively in historical factoids, he delivers some truly preposterous dialogue with a straight-faced earnestness and gravitas that few, if any, other movie stars could manage. As a result, I'm willing to follow every ridiculous turn this film takes. Um, if you can get past the pseudo-history, uh, preposterous wigs and god-awful turn-of-the-millennium fashion, there is a lot of fun to be had here. Inarguably, the whole premise of this is absolute nonsense, but it's charming nonsense, and that's a comfort in these troubled times. Oh, lovely, lovely. Sorry. Yeah, I had great fun with this movie. So one of my favourite game series, um, I'm I'm quite into my video games, um, is Uncharted. Yeah. And Mm. this predated the first Uncharted game by about three years, and I was watching this and I was going, this is just a live action version of that. And it's just, I just love it. Starring Nicolas Cage. <laughs> oh God, if only. He's got Nick Cage's in it, Sean Bean's in it, Harvey Keitel's in it. Um, I'm just like, yeah, of course reconsider this. I, I had so much fun. I was just finding myself really enjoying it. Expecting, you know, to be a bit like, how can we make fun of this movie? But I, I was actually really enjoyed it. <laughs> If I was to be sensible for a second, which is almost impossible with Nick Cage, film, <laughs> I would say that the action, it's a bit beige considering what's going on. And I think the music doesn't help with that. I just think it yeah. it makes it all a bit made for TV. And if the music was as good as it is at the very beginning of the film and when the credits roll, if it's as yeah. epic as that throughout, it, it, it will elevate everything by quite a lot. And I do think the score kind of ruined it for that, you know, for those reasons. Yeah, I think you can kind of tell that Turtle Tub isn't a action, isn't a natural yeah. action director. Yeah, and and I just think those the the fact that he's not a natural action director and the score is is a bit cheap. You know, it kind of takes the gloss off what would safely be a really really good action adventure movie. But regardless of that, the thrill of the hunt is enough to make this a really fun ride for the whole family. Or even a thirty-four-year-old bloke in uh, lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't disagree with anything that that you've all said. Um, I'm delighted because obviously my pick getting a full raft of FYR yeses is uh, an achievement not to be sniffed at. But yeah, completely. I mean, this is this is high-class hokum. Yeah, with loads of actors of brilliant stature doing mega mega things and and making it like just loads of fun lo- really really watchable i wish that the only things that i would take away um simon now you've said that like you've really struck a chord with me there when you said that the action you wished it was a little bit more you know it's a little bit beige a little bit vanilla um i can completely see that now actually but 
everyone loves a mystery. Everyone loves a story. And everyone loves it told in a really, really glossy way. And I think this film does that. Um, yeah, it's stupid. Um, but I'm stupid. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we all are. So, we all are. I, I flipping loved it. I flipping loved it. Um, Do you mean there isn't a map on the back of the Declaration of Independence? Honestly, I have to ask myself this very serious question. This is not based on fact. <laughs> Uh, no, it's great. Go and enjoy it. Um, and it's pure escapism of the highest, highest polished sheen. Is that just Cage's wig wig choices? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we're talking about John Voigt's as well. Flipping yeah. it. How do I get myself a Backstreet Boys? It's one of the greatest of wigs head. I've ever seen. I literally <laughs> laughed out loud when he walked on screen with that <laughs> thing on his head. I thought, he had, I thought he had the family cat perched on his head. <laughs> if he did, the family cat's got great hair. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, thank you very much. It's been great to get back together this week. Um, Thank you for listening, everyone. Tune in next week for Die Hard with a Vengeance, uh, which we still don't really know how qualifies. Um, so <laughs> hit us up on We're Twitter. We're going to find out. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, hit us up on Twitter at FYI Film Pod. Keep safe, keep smiling, and keep an eye on that pesky Declaration of Independence. <laughs> Goes missing all the time. <laughs> Say goodbye, boys. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Carol Baskin is going to be furious. <laughs> I'm going to be looking over my shoulder now. I know, I know, I know. Good night, cats and kittens. <laughs> good, good night, you cats and kittens. <laughs>